Following on from last episode, where we talked about nothing but Nintendo's E3 2019 announcements, in this second part of our E3 coverage, we talk about all, all the other stuff that was announced. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Saffron. And we're continuing uh, our little mini-series, very mini-series, this is the, the end of it, <laughs> discussing E3 2019 with mm. uh, our cold take on the rest of the show, because uh, by the time this comes out it'll be a little bit post-E3. Yeah. You know, last episode we talked a lot about, well we talked only about, Nintendo announcements. Uh, and so in this episode, we're going to cover everyone else. No one else yeah. gets the uh, gets the same level of uh, coverage as Nintendo, and, obviously. And the thing is, right, obviously we are biased for Nintendo. <laughs> we are more fans of them. But I also sort of feel like that's justified. Like, I feel we could probably give more time than we're going to for some of these games hmm. and these companies. But I don't know, there's... There was so much chaff in this E3, like mm. so much just mere content to wade through. So, whereas I feel like there was only a couple of dry bits in the Nintendo Direct. Like mm. there was a few games that were just like, yeah, I don't care about this. But most of it was either interesting or at least unique enough that even if I wasn't interested in it, it was still worth watching, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think that yet again, you know, E3 is very much a, a sort of high octane showcase of stuff, right? You know, it's very heavy on the cinematic trailers and big announcements with lots of money and flames and actors and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff at the show itself. And I find that actually I get a lot more value and a lot more information out of the the coverage from the video game press around, Mm, you know, when they've had the show. Yeah. When they've had like hands on and they've, you know, interviewed people and watching some of the, the post show, uh, you know, videos and stuff like that. And the interviews on site with the developers and stuff like that, you get really a lot of stuff out of that. And you don't really get a lot out of the actual kind of like showcase events, the conferences, Microsoft square, et cetera. Um, And maybe that's why, you know, Sony and Nintendo and co are moving away from it. Yeah, maybe, because they don't see the point in just basically sitting people down in a movie theatre for an hour and a half showing trailers, right? Because mm. they can just do that online yep. <laughs> for, for, for a lot less cost. Yeah. And and I I remember, when and I we said sort of this in our previous episode about E3, mm. you go back like 10 years and a lot of these shows were showing off like gameplay, they were showing off unique, interesting features, they were showing off unique, interesting hardware, whatever... Now it really is almost exclusively just cinematics, you right? Just CG trailers. I've just realised in all of the stuff that I watched of sort of like the stage shows, there was very little like four gamers coming on and pretending to play a game, right? Mm. Like, I, like that happens quite. I swear that that's just just disappeared off the face yes. of E three. I know, obviously, it was always very staged, and they weren't. They probably weren't actually really playing the game, but. Like, nonetheless, there was basically zero gameplay in any of the stage shows. And I mean, uh, the first 
the biggest show, right, was Microsoft, and they were no mm. exception to that. There was a lot of sort of world premieres of trailers on the Microsoft show. There was a lot of, you know, new stuff, a lot of, there were a few interesting stuff. I mean, we're sort of, we're going to focus on sort of talking about the big announcements, but there were some smaller announcements and little games here and there that are sort of like interesting on a personal level, or if you particularly, you know, resonate with a particular game or a developer or something like that, you know, mm. they did cover a few bits and pieces. Everyone is talking about Cyberpunk 2077, yeah. right? And Keanu Reeves coming on stage. Always love the cringe factor of an actor <laughs> at E3 yeah. hyping up the audience. I don't. It doesn't matter how much they actually like video games or not. Um, apparently, Keanu Reeves has been very involved in 2077, and, and you know, and, and is excited about it and stuff like that. They always look, yeah, like a you know a fish in a in a <laughs> in a vat of oil i don't know, I know like, exactly just, i know what you mean it's just so super bad. awkward super weird like i watched this as separate to watching the rest of the conference because I, I had like a clip sent to me by a friend and i watched it and i was like i kind of don't want to watch this i feel embarrassed like, <laughs> for two minutes straight he was just sort of stood on the stage as like people Oof. sort of like glorified him for just simply walking out not for yeah, anything I mean, he did not for anything Keanu he looked right? you know like it's like, okay, talk about the game. Yeah, I mean, definitely, for sure. But 2077, I'm so split on because part of me is quite excited for it because it's made by a company we know can do really fantastic games. You know, it's CD Projekt Red. So making The Witcher basically gave them the rights to make any game they wanted, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like this is still within their wheelhouse of strengths. You know, they're, they're creating an interesting world in which to explore and to, to tell a really good story within, which is what they're good at. And the gameplay from sort of what we've seen so far, it's hard to tell what's gameplay mm -hmm. and what's cinematic and, and the rest of it. It looks like it could be good but mm. i'm also really concerned that it doesn't look all that interestingly unique if that makes sense like it looks a bit cookie cutter mm. so yeah like I, and i think i mentioned this maybe one time on a soundbite episode i don't remember but it looks just to me like a more modern version of deus ex human revolution and mankind so. divided right that it just looks like another one of those and i would have thought that there'd be more to make it stand out from similar sort of games like those and it so far it doesn't feel like there is it feels like it's very mm. well i think cookie cutter is the word for it we'll see i think that uh, I, I do feel like cyberpunk 2077 is ha, runs the risk of really overbuilding that hype and being you know quadruple a if anything in the way that yeah. it is it is sold described developed you know all of that kind of stuff like it you know it's it's the only thing you see advertised on youtube right now when you're watching videos you know um video game videos and like it's just really really being pushed and there's a lot mm. of money behind it and that equals a lot of pressure and that 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 concerns me for sure well the problem is is that when it comes out even if it ends up being a really good game it still will not hold up to people's hype so as yeah. a result of it it'll just not do as well as it probably could do yeah so yeah i think maybe they are setting themselves up to fail and maybe that isn't even the game developer's fault maybe that's no. the publishers and the advertising people's fault for mm. just trying to ram it down people's throats too much right and i mean there's also another game right which they you know or a series in fact that they that was covered in the microsoft's events that you also feel a little bit skeptical about right because it's a series that you're particularly passionate about and that's borderlands you know where mm. they, they showed you know there was some stuff about borderlands 3 and also i mean let's talk about the good 
stuff first, right? Which is that they've brought out free DLC for Borderlands 2 to sort of tie in and build some hype for Borderlands 3. Now, to bring out DLC for a game from 2012 is... that's quite something, you know. That's that's almost, and that's not even their most recent Borderlands game either, because no. they've had Borderlands pre sequel between that too. Exactly. I mean, they must have picked whichever one has the most player base or yeah, the most definitely. sold, because <laughs> yeah. it's basically a marketing trick. But yeah, of nonetheless, it it's a it's a marketing trick that requires a lot of efforts. Yeah, I, I, and I I can only respect Gearbox for doing that because mm. Borderlands Two is a really kind of close game to my heart i really mm. lo- love the game and it's brought me a lot of fun over the many years i've played this series of games as a whole so that's really awesome i haven't actually played the game yet i have downloaded the dlc but i haven't haven't played it yet but it seems to just be sort of like a a tie-in to three so that yep. at the end of it you'll probably be like and then these characters appear and they'll appear in three and then you'll have to play three to sort of like see what's going to happen sort of thing yep. which like you say is, is a great sense of advertising but it's also just a nice bit of fan service too 100 like, you know, percent it's like they know that they've made a great game and they're just trying to celebrate that fact. With that all said, yeah, I am super skeptical about Borderlands 3 because mm. they just haven't shown off very much gameplay yet, which is always a worry. And then what they have shown off or what you can kind of glimpse through the cinematic trailers just doesn't look new. It doesn't look interesting or different. And what mm. there is looks a bit bland again. Like, one of the things that I always liked Borderlands 2 and pre-sequel for, not so much 1, because 1 was a little bit more toned down, it felt very much like an experiment rather than anything else, was how kind of colourful and vibrant and interesting and fun and wacky the world was, and the characters, and the mechanics, etc. Mm-hmm. 3 looks like it's doing just that again, but with less interesting things. So, so they're both copying it, so it's derivative, but also making it less interesting at the same time so i don't see where the hook is this time at all yeah i think that my i'm also interested in what they what their sort of unique take is in a world you know or in or a landscape where very heavily loot-based games are really at the forefront now of 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 video games and you know it's i didn't start with borderlands but borderlands was very much like a an early example of that kind of mechanic and that sort of, Mm. and it really got it right. But the thing is, is like getting that right is not that unusual now. In fact, it's expected. And if you get Mm. it wrong, then that's a black mark against you um, as a game. So yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm interested and excited because I do enjoy playing the Borderlands games, particularly they make very good land games um, and and sort of co-op games to play. Um, They're a lot of fun from that point of view. They're sort of fairly low, brain power but good fun kind of games mm-hmm. and it's easy yeah. for people to sort of drop in and out and stuff like that you know they really kind of mastered that um so from that point of view more borderlands content you know shiny new graphics engine and you know new guns and new environments and stuff like that that's pretty cool so but maybe it'll be something to pick up at like 50 percent off or something yeah right rather than a, it's maybe might not be a pre-order but don't we'll think see. it's going to be a pre-order i think i'd just rather go back and replay through borderlands 2 again as a different character or something yeah and then just quickly finishing off through our Microsoft things, and because uh, we've got a lot to go through, they announced, they sort of announced, they teased their new console, mm. didn't they, with uh, Project Scarlet and yeah. then the xCloud they uh, talked, side of things too. Yeah, they talked about both Scarlet and xCloud. So xCloud is their streaming uh, sort of platform, Xbox streaming platform. Um, which they've talked about before and sort of continuing that thread of uh, that narrative thread through Octal FM, you know, mm. xCloud is something that we're particularly interested in because we've talked a lot about how we think that 
um, you know, streaming services are, are really the future of, of video games in many ways. So it was interesting to see them talk about Scarlet, Project Scarlet, the, the new Xbox, because I was expecting them to say it's a streaming console. Yes. Like as soon as they like said Stadia. it, I was like, yeah, I was like, this is not going to be a new Xbox. But no, it's like it. they meet the first thing they said was like, it's got a custom, you know, souped up AMD CPU in it, which yeah. is the same as the, you know, Xbox. Um, <laughs> you know, they talked about it's going to have ray tracing support, which is sort of the new tech coming up in, in PC. Uh, it's got an SSD in it for fast load times. I'm like, what? wait, hang on. Are we still in the, you know, are we still in the past? Like, yeah. this, is, <laughs> this is like a really retro kind of console announcement when you compare to, and you look at what Google are doing with Stadia and, you know, you look at the Switch and all of that kind of thing. And so yeah, unique and interesting takes on the console environment. Whereas even though Microsoft had you know, put a lot of time and effort into their Game Pass and now xCloud, they're still trying to make a traditional sort of like beefy PC yeah. in a box, I, I, just, I just don't understand how you make that announcement alongside talking about xCloud because mm. xCloud is essentially, yeah, it's their streaming platform. Now, it's very different to Stadia because xCloud is essentially xboxes in the cloud so they're you know to simplify it they're basically going to just chuck xboxes into data centers right and you're going to stream off them and then when scarlet comes out they'll replace all of them with with scarlet um, motherboards Mm -hmm. and we talked about this right we talked about this is how game you know console manufacturers are going to work now they're going to be streaming games and they're going to be replacing the hardware and you're going to get you know the new hardware automatically within that service and that's very different to Stadia, which is a whole new platform to develop on. So Microsoft have the advantage there, but it turns xCloud into just a feature of yes. the Xbox yeah, rather point. than a like actual step forward. And in the demos at E3, the performance wasn't great. Like no. there was reports of it was running 720p at 60 FPS. Now Stadia is promising 4K at 60 FPS. Yeah. We only 35 launch. megabit connections, yeah. Um, people ha- there was noticeable latency in the in the demos and this I is mean, in a controlled environment for crying yeah. out what's it going to be like when it's attached to your home wi-fi network with about 10 other wi-fi signals right. all around you in an apartment building upstairs through walls and yeah, yeah. you're going to get even worse results and as a little bit of an aside this weekend's uh the time of recording i actually set up a, a server on uh, amazon web services and rolled my own you know s- streaming from a data center setup it's come a long way since i last looked at it a couple of years ago and there's a lot of much nicer software for doing it and i was getting 720p and yeah. you know, and 60 fps and a little yeah. bit of latency just from you know i was renting a just an aws you know a, it was an expensive server it was like 70p an hour but like there's nothing really special there about microsoft saying hey we're putting xbox in xboxes in data centers it's like cool like that's not that doesn't sound like you're really investing in it that sounds like you're just doing it Mm. now obviously that's not true there's a lot involved in in the process that they're going through but when you compare to the way that google are talking about stadia yeah i I, I don't know it's just it wasn't what i was expecting it feels like they're stuck in the past a little bit but they they're sort of trying to get their toes in the water for the future and they sort of can't decide what they want to do 
So they're trying to do a bit, bit of everything half-assed. Yeah, and it doesn't tie into our, you know, thing about the Microsoft and Sony partnership where Sony were going to be using Microsoft's text to stream because yeah. they're putting Xbox in, yeah. in data centers. So it's not like, I mean, unless they're just going to have PlayStations in different Microsoft data centers. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> very, very weird, very unexpected. It's something that we're definitely going to cover again in future because... This is very much, like you say, a narrative running through the podcasts. Yeah, maybe and we're wrong. Maybe this is a sign that we, our predictions are wrong, but I don't think so. Maybe, <laughs> but I just, well, especially after the Stadia announcement where we basically called it 100% accurately, <laughs> yeah. you know, then they do this. It's just such a weird thing. Maybe they did it because they're trying to appease the traditional sort of like core gamer That's by I saying, agree. oh, you can buy the console and it will be really powerful when really the consoles are actually more of a side thought and they're actually going to put more effort into the streaming side of things. Maybe. And that's going to be their primary sort of like driving force. Because a lot of people aren't necessarily going to want to... Maybe they'll price them up out of things as well. Like maybe they'll encourage people to buy the xCloud streaming services for like, you know, $100 or you could buy Project Scarlet's console for like $600 or mm, something. Mm, so yeah, you, it, you can right. still do it if you want and they're not going to stop you from buying one, but they're encouraging people to use the streaming service. You're right. And, you know, maybe they're judging the audience at E3. Right? Yes. I think actually if Microsoft went heavy on streaming at E3, maybe they there's a core game of backlash potential yeah, there. Maybe. You know? But anyway, that's enough for... Uh, that's definitely enough Microsoft stuff. There were some other games as well. Um, you know, you should go and check out check out the coverage around, you know, sort of other bits and pieces. But that's sort of, they were the things that Microsoft was leading with. So they're the things that we're leading with in our, yeah, in pretty our discussion. Much. Because it better reflects the, the direction of the industry rather than just stuff that we're interested in that goes counter yeah. to the industry, if you like. I, I also feel they probably had the best conference at E3 yeah, other agreed. than... Nintendo, who sort of didn't really sort of kind yeah. of attend, yeah. If, so yeah, agreed. That, that's why we sort of spent quite a bit of time on that as well. Another developer, really, rather than a company, I suppose, mm. but whatever, who did a pretty good job was Square, right? Square yeah. Enix. They they had it was kind of fifty fifty. Some of the stuff they talked about was like really pretty boring and pretty like uninspired. They talked about quite a little bit of mobile stuff. And I imagine there were some game journalists or rather just regular journalists sitting there who didn't have a clue about all this stuff and just were really bored. <laughs> but they did talk about some big ones. And I think the biggest one you, we can't really ignore was Final Fantasy VII, the, no. the, the new Final Fantasy yeah. VII remake. Has that, I don't think it's got an official name right yet. That's still just being called Final Fantasy VII remake, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. I don't know Which if it's got odd. an official name. I imagine it's going to have an official name. And I think the official name is going to reveal a little bit more about the structure of these games. Well, yes, this is a good point. Because we mentioned this the other day i feel mm. they still haven't really shown how this episodic content is gonna unravel because i yeah like what do they say is it's just the midgard at the start yeah which is about 10 percent of the original game but this game is going to be as long as a full like 40 Final hours Fantasy long game. yeah that's a bit weird so maybe this is going to be a series of final fantasy 7 games based around elements of the original or using the original as a jumping off point to tell different mm. stories who knows which i can see really backfiring from core yeah. fans <laughs> so they're making it to appease core final fantasy fans who wanted this for forever and they're probably going to make a great game that people will really enjoy but annoy the people that wanted it the most <laughs> yeah honestly like i if they i really worry about this what feels like a very real possibility that they cover sections of the final fantasy 7 story 
right? And they they pick and choose some key points, like、mm. the start and maybe something in the middle and something at the end. I don't know, but like, or use it to tell completely new stories. And this is just kind of the it's、this、set the in the hook. yeah, it's set in the seven universe, but actually, it's gonna just go off on on a tangent. Yeah, you'll only see Cloud for like the first like five hours, and then he'll go off and do、yeah. the events of Final Fantasy VII while you play as this new like, character、right. or something. I can see Square doing that, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm excited about that concept because just high, like high quality games from Square is exciting, right? But I think that they might have a little bit of, of a bomb on their hands. Yeah, I think so. I think that would really, really backfire on them. But in its defense, looking at it, it looked really good. It、um, looks amazing. The, like the we saw looks、so、good. real gameplay, which yes, was nice. Loads. I、yep. know on the actual games floor itself, they had demos where you could go and fight a boss,、yep. and you could play the actual game itself, very hands-on. It looked really nice. I like the way that they're trying to sort of incorporate that turn-based, like traditional Final Fantasy style. Into it,、mm, so、mm-hmm. you have like actions that then you have to sort of like wait to do,、yes. and then you can still do stuff between those. You、actions. can like pause and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's clever and it looks lovely, and the game has. It has the same style and vibe as the original Final Fantasy VII, despite、mm-hmm. how graphically different they are as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm confident that it'll be a good game. I'm just confident that they're going to annoy people as a result of it. <laughs> Agreed, and that, that wasn't the only Final Fantasy, no, you know, game that they showed, right? Because they also show the Final Fantasy VIII、uh, remaster, which、yeah. is very much a wow. Like we, we're actually going to get one of these because, from a technical point of view. I'm really intrigued because there's always been this rumor that they lost the source code for Final Fantasy VIII, so that's why it's never. There's always been this hole where VIII has never really been remastered. You know, I'm excited to see this because I know it's perhaps your you know fa- favorite Final Fantasy, and so I'm interested in getting an opportunity to maybe play this.、Mm. It's coming out on Switch as well, which is great at some point. But yeah, like I'm really surprised. You know, we've talked a, a lot, not on the show but off the show, about the fact that this has never really been. Remastered, and so I looked at the screenshots and 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 some of the you know coverage about it, and I think that this is being teed up to be on mobile as well, even though、yes. they didn't mention it.、Yeah. I might be wrong, but it's Square loves to put an expensive port of Final Fantasy on mobile, yeah. so I yeah, be, be like nine nine dollars or something or more, and maybe that that could be to its detriment. Uh, because it has been for some of the others I know,、um, so we'll see.、Uh, but you know, it's being made by dot dot mu is the name of the company, and they do a lot of retro games, Wonder Boy and stuff like that,、um, mm-hmm. or retro style games. They also did the PC sort of refresh of uh, seven, uh, so you know it's in reasonable hands, I think. Yeah.、Uh, so I, I, I'm I'm excited for a new generation of. Gamers to play it as well because、mm. it's definitely one people have missed because it just didn't have that same wow factor as seven、mm. or that sort of like that wow factor of ten. So a lot of people haven't played it, and it's not perfect, but it's a great game that I love. And yeah, the fact that it's able, even if the actual remaster of it doesn't end up being all that amazing, right? It'll still be better than not having it on modern consoles at all. Agreed. So, Agreed. as long as it doesn't make it worse than it originally was, which <laughs>、yeah. is probably quite hard because、yes. the PC ports that we've recovered on the show before were pretty, but pretty poor.、Mm. Um, you know, it's going to be a good time, and I'm really excited for it.、Hmm. And then that finally,、uh, the other sort of big game from Square was the the Marvel Avengers game, right?、Mm. Now, this has been, I know, quite polarizing in the, in the、yes. sort of community as a whole. So, I think it's been. Teased now for a few years, and they've been going back and forth on it, and they've finally actually shown us something. 
which is interesting considering how unbelievably massive the franchise of the Avengers is. Yeah. Uh, and it's taken them this long to make like a mainstream game of it. Cause there's been plenty of games like even Nintendo sort of announced like a new Marvel game. They were like a ultimate Alliance black order or whatever it was. Uh, and then yep. direct. And there's been plenty of the Marvel related games, but this one seems to be a game based on the movies which feels like a very long time coming. Yeah. But then they've gone and done that. So it's like, yeah, they tied it in. It's going to be to do with the MCU and all this. But they didn't get the rights to have the actors' faces. Yeah. I which mean, is I, the what's polarizing people. Yeah. I spoke, Gareth mentioned this, you know, when I saw him the other day. And he was like, it looks like a cheap knockoff of an Avengers game. You know, it's it's an interesting decision. We'll have to see if the if the game holds up because we don't really know a huge amount about it yet. Now, just looking at it, I'm not negative. I think it actually looks fine. Like, I think the mm. character models actually don't look bad by any means. Mm, it's yeah. just weird not seeing Robert Downey Jr. Jarring, Chris Evans really? or something. Yeah, because they are now so ingrained in our public psyche of those characters that we it's weird about seeing that, right? them in anywhere else. <laughs> we did, yeah, in the MCU episode we did recently. But... The only thing that makes me a little bit dubious is the fact that there was basically no gameplay shown. I think, like, mm. there was a very short snippet of gameplay shown with all the UI removed. So it's hard to gauge anything at all. So we'll see. It could be good. Like, it could be, like, sort of like a, a class-based, role-based kind of, like, co-op adventure game style thing where, like, different characters have different roles. Like, if you're Iron Man, you've got to fly around and shoot things. Whereas if you're, like, Captain America, you've got to be more of, like, a tactical person on the ground sort of thing, running around and ordering people around and stuff like that. It could be a bit asymmetrical, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. But I think it could also be a really boring, generic beat-em-up as well. Yeah. I mean, so, I... Uh, yeah. reserve judgment. We will see. And then the remaining kind of, like, main major sort of showcase events uh were ubisoft bethesda and ea mm. really weren't they and and sony but i mean they were absent right <laughs> yeah. and there wasn't really a huge amount across any of them i think Not the one really. that i the, the game that i particularly want to highlight that i'm interested in is the new star wars right jedi mm, fallen order yeah. uh, that's out of out of all of those um publishers that looks particularly interesting. I'm excited that it's made by Respawn, who did Titanfall and more recently yeah. Apex Legends. Which are good games, in fairness. Right, 100%. Like, it has really strong vibes of them. I mean, I, I love that it's only games where um, Jedi throw their lightsabers and they, like, spin at, like a boomerang <laughs> and come back. Like, that yeah. never happens in the films <laughs> and it always happens in the games. Like, I remember that in Jedi Knight yeah. 2 or whatever. It's really like, powerful. And here it is again in Fallen Order. <laughs> like, it's just... Why? Every time. Every time. But yeah, like, it, the combat looks... It looks a little bit muddy in a way. It looks mm. like they're sort of going a little bit for, like, a a kind of Dark Souls style sort of uh, movements and uh, and fighting, but also it's quite fast. So it looks like it doesn't, I don't know, I watched, there was a particular bit of combat that I watched and I was like, that looks a little bit messy. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, uh, I kind of trust Respawn that they're probably going to do a decent job of the yeah, combat. Yeah, I think so. There's been reports that there's going to be some kind of Metroidvania elements where as you get new skills, you're going to be able to return to areas and un unlock sort of new areas or explore yeah. new areas. So it, it's all painting, you know, a picture of, of a strong game. It looks good. It, you know, it runs smoothly. It runs at 60 good FPS. Pedigree. You know, yeah, and it's got, it's got a good pedigree and... You know, so 
I'm interested as Star Wars games have a little bit of a troubled history, uh, especially under EA's, you know, more recent sort of time looking after it. It's never, there's never really been amazing Star Wars games. There's been good ones here and there, you know, whether it's strategy or, you know, like the Age of Age of Empires 2 reskin, right? And, that was um, good. Yeah, I it like was. That. Like like there's some sort of good there's some good bits and pieces here and there, but it's not a guarantee. Yeah. Right. By, by Star any Wars do not equal good game necessarily. It just right. can equal good game. So I'm quite excited, I must admit, to see how that turns out because mm-hmm. it looks like they're doing a good job so far. So I'm feeling positive about that one. Uh, speaking of AOE as well, you got some a little bit of footage for AOE 2 Deluxe or whatever it's going to be uh, called, Definitive right? edition. Definitive, oh yeah, I can't yeah. wait to buy another copy of AOE 2. <laughs> Genuinely, I can't. You know, they've they've finally redone all of the all of the models in 3D because uh, they they are another example of a company that actually did lose um, all of the original artwork, so they've had to redo it all. This is what yeah, the definitive edition is what the HD should have been. Um, yes. I'm I'm very happy to buy that again. Uh, I love AOE 2. Maybe you get a discount if you own the hd edition that'd <laughs> if, be nice what if what if i can send them a photo of like the original like box boxed copy yeah. and your original strategy guide <laughs> yeah i have i've got all the strategy guides oh i love that game but that was cool to see uh some of the other smaller things that kind of came up uh that were interesting well it's not even small i suppose it was one of the main announcements of the conference but um was doom eternal that looks good mm, yep. um like i still haven't played doom 2016 mm, mm-hmm. but like you only hear positive things about it you know it's i've got it i own it i need to sit down and play it but Mm -hmm. like it just looks like more of that with some more kind of like interesting mechanics added in um they've really sort of like gone whole on the idea of fluid gameplay so you never stop fighting even more Mm -hmm. now like there's Mm -hmm. ways to kind of get all your different health and ammo and shields back by doing different things so it looks like they've gone for that's almost like a dancing rhythm game of death (laughs) That's uh, a really interesting cool. way of putting it. Yeah. There was a couple of other uh, games as well from Bethesda that are sort of, you know, we've not really heard much about and we still don't know a lot about. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and mm-hmm. Deathloop were both um, from Bethesda, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we saw a little, you know, we've not really seen a lot about it, about them. We don't know a lot about them, but it's interesting to see more than just Fallout and Elder Scrolls coming out yeah. of Bethesda, right? Like, that's exciting. There's still lots of that. But... Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm I'm pleased to see that there's some other stuff, even though we have absolutely no idea if it's going to be any good or not. No, I mean, they've both got pretty decent pedigree behind them, but like you don't get shown almost anything. So again, yeah. it's kind of hard to judge. Agreed. Uh, but it was just nice to see an actual new IP from yeah, them 100%. because otherwise it's just seeing more mobile versions of fallout mm. and elder scrolls yeah. which i'm so sick of seeing mm. uh, like if i have to see like another bloody add-on for elder scrolls or another card game or something like that i don't know i'm just so done with those two franchises quite honestly yeah which is annoying because they are some really important flagship game series over the course of decades but they just milk them to death now and i'm so tired of seeing them so overall like there's some interesting bits and pieces there. I think from an Octal FM point of view, the Microsoft stuff with the uh, Scarlet and xCloud particularly mm. interested me, putting my nerdy glasses on and, and looking at the state of the video game landscape. I think that E3, it feels like it's in a weird place and it feels yeah. like every year it gets into a weirder place. It's, yeah. it's, it's not getting less weird. It's getting more odd as an event it's still exciting when it happens and it's great following the coverage and seeing you know new games announced and stuff like that but 
it's it's just weird. It's it's an interesting one. You know, we're seeing less and less stuff announced at E3 and more stuff announced around E3. Mm, yeah, they're, they're just using it as an opportunity to react to E3 almost yep. preemptively or post-op. Yep. Yeah, I don't it, know. It's maybe, like you say, it's more interesting now to be looking at the coverage from the floors themselves mm. and talking to the staff and, and you know get what? an idea of things. In a way, that kind of makes sense because E3 is a trade show, ultimately. It's not yeah. really a public event. It just happens to be very public now and that yeah. everything is live streamed. And, you know, I remember when E3 wasn't live streamed and when it started to be live streamed and it was like, it felt like they didn't know how to react to the fact that people were watching, you know, at home in inverted mm. commas, when traditionally it was about manufacturers and publishers talking to a room full of press. And now they have to make it so that it's a public spectacle. And but it is still ultimately a trade event or at its core. That's what it is. Yeah. And so maybe that's why it's, you know, from the outside looking in, it's it's an it's, it's such an intriguing thing yeah it is a bit of an oddball you know but it's been interesting to sort of dissect it and cover it and talk about it and talk about the stuff that's happened around it yeah maybe we maybe we've missed something right the you know and, and you listening mm. you you know you're like why didn't you talk about uh, anything from ubisoft <laughs> yeah well i wonder why uh, no in fairness like we did have to skip past quite a bit of stuff really to fit all this into one episode and you could be like oh well you gave nintendo a whole episode <laughs> yeah well nintendo it's our podcast things so. to talk about so yeah um but if if we did miss something that you think that is genuinely interesting and we just sort of like skipped over because we just didn't realize then do let us know yeah, absolutely uh, and maybe we can talk about those sort of games in the future maybe we'll do a follow-up of like you know things that we missed and stuff like yep. that because actually that was something we kind of discussed for almost pre-episode as well was the idea of it's amazing how many games especially pc related to games now that go missed you know that don't get mm -hmm. mentioned anymore and maybe there is something there as well like for console games that didn't show up or didn't get anywhere near enough representation in your opinion so mm. do let us know and we'll uh, maybe cover it in another episode yeah absolutely send us an email show at octal.fm or just hit us up on twitter and let us know about the games that we missed at octal.fm mm. on twitter yeah, it's been. Uh, we'll we'll see how well, how the year unfolds in in video yeah. games post E three. Uh, and in the meantime, I've been Gelada, and I've been Sephron. And catch us again for another Octal FM episode, probably talking about Nintendo <laughs> very soon. <laughs> <laughs>